Hi, this is Candy McNeil. Welcome to Open Minds, the radio show that is dedicated to eliminating the stigma surrounding mental illness. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about an incident that happened here on the campus over the weekend. A student was streaming live online what appears to be a suicide attempt. There has been lots of reaction to this, not only here in Guelph, but uh, in the larger community as well. And I have two guests here to talk about the impact of this. Daniel Poulin is the coordinator of the Student Support Network here at the campus of University of Guelph. And Andrea is a fourth-year student and a volunteer at CFRU and also a member of an initiative to bring another psychiatrist to the university. Welcome to both of them. I'd like to talk about two things in particular today. One is uh, that whole issue around the stigma of mental health and how we are so quick to jump to conclusions when we know so little about what has happened. Um, and then also about the social media piece and the pros and cons of that. The pros and cons um, that I think of immediately are in some ways it's really good that we talk about things like this. And because of social media, they're not just confined to a small group of people, but it opens the conversation to a larger group. But also the cons are that people can say some really awful things and lots of misinformation and stereotypes and myths can be perpetuated and disseminated to an ever larger audience. And so I'm wondering if we can talk about both of those topics today. On the issue of um, social media first, what do you guys see as the pros and cons in a situation like this to social media being involved. Daniel, you want to start? I think just like you said, I mean, the it, when we're talking about stigma, a lot of times we're talking about there's just a lack of dialogue and conversation around things. So in a lot of ways, having that open dialogue, like without the social media, all of these students that are on Overheard at Guelph and on the other social media sites wouldn't have been involved in a conversation. And I'll let uh, Andrea talk a little bit more about that later. But one of the big pros I see is that the reaction that students have when they feel empowered to go and take on a project and see how can we make some real change out of this. And I think without that easily accessible communication mechanism, it wouldn't be as easy to make that happen, right? Um, and we see that happening. But the thing that I also notice, and my my bias is always going to be towards uh, how are we ensuring that people have space to process what's going on. And m when I was reading the comments happening on Overheard at Guelph, what, what I was starting to get out of it is that each person is trying to process this in the way that they're just reacting to it. And for some people, they fall into a very, like, very logical framework, like, you know, um, how, how could this happen to somebody? How could they do this? Who's to blame? You know, that kind of thing. Some people are really concerned about the individual and making sure they're supported. Um, some people are very concerned about the legalities, like, um, you know, property was damaged, like there should be legal action on this and stuff. And ultimately what I'm reading through all of this is I need a space to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And the challenge that I have sometimes with social media is that I think we often think it's a dialogue and a conversation, but oftentimes people will say their piece and then somebody will react to it and it almost becomes becomes kind of this bizarre ar argument back and forth where I think people, I can't tell always whether people are trying to support each other, trying to support a cause, or they're trying to convince people to see it their way. And that's why sort of my role um, I saw was just to say like, hey, you know, the student support network is open. If you want to talk face to face with somebody who, you know, you can say whatever you want with us, you just need a place to process. Like, that's cool. And then we can come 
out of this and go where it is. So it's, it's such a tricky thing. And particularly with social media, where it is so, it's so open to anybody and, you know, just getting uh, the, the other piece of it is just the big con is that there are people way outside our community now engaged in this. Right. And we have done such a great job of trying to support our immediate community. But what about the people that watch the video who are in the States or international, right? And they, some of them don't e- still don't even know where it happened, right? right? And they what about the support for those people, right? Like it's hard enough to try and reach out to all the students on our campus, let alone the entire global community that's now affected by this, you know, and Andrea, you're shaking your head as he's talking about that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I completely agree. Like with the, the group overheard at Guelph, I mean, Social media is a wonderful way for people to become active in issues that they completely believe in. And for example, the initiative to hire a new psychiatrist wouldn't have happened if the if Overheard at Guelph didn't exist. So it is wonderful in that regard and that it can meet people who are like it can introduce people who are like minded. But there is also the issue of people often talking over each other. And so if somebody wants to say something, there isn't necessarily the support from other people. I mean, I kind of get the impression sometimes that in forums like Overhead at Guelph, it's oftentimes, unfortunately, a lot of people who just like the sound of their own voice who end up talking, which really doesn't provide anything to the discussion and can often have negative consequences for the discussion. So, um... I think that it can be very great in a lot of regards, but in other situations, like you, you have to approach social media carefully because there's also the issue of misinformation. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity for gossip and a lot of people who, for example, spread news who don't know how to check their sources. Right. So they don't know if what they're saying is actually true, but they do believe it's true. So we need to educate people on how to approach these things with caution and to know how to look for proper information and to know that it's a source that they can trust. Another complaint that is often leveled at social media, not just in this kind of situation, but in a number of them, is that people will say things from the anonymity of online that they would never say Mm -hmm. to your face or in a group of friends. Do you think any of that's happening in this situation that people are saying things that they wouldn't otherwise if they if they weren't doing it on Facebook or um, some other social media site? I don't know if people subscribe to this, but I tend to like when I'm feeling very defensive or or attacked or whatever, I always take a few minutes to take a deep breath, you know, like take the time before I react to that. I wonder sometimes if we just haven't been trained how to do that in an online sphere. So Mm -hmm. we tend to just type as soon as we think about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And and then as soon as it's out there and it's so public, we feel really I have yet to see somebody whose mind gets changed in a comment. Like, I feel like we're very, we're very protective of what we've put into the public sphere and we don't want to seem like, you know, we're wrong. So, I mean, I'm, I'm watching for that day when somebody's like, oh, you've got a really good point, you know, but it just, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Like, I haven't seen a comment like that yet. I, I definitely think that people feel which is ironic on on Facebook because a lot of people on Facebook are attaching it directly to their account, right? I know there are lots of like fake mm-hmm. accounts, but there are a lot of real accounts and, and it feels anonymous, but it kind of isn't at the same time, right? Like, right. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, well, yeah, I agree with uh, the Facebook thing because like overheard at Guelph, I mean, it's all attached to our names and like often somebody will comment something and I'll be like, who said that? And I'll hover over their name and see that I have like six mutual friends with them. So it's sort of hard to hide behind the on- 
anonymity on Overheard at Guelph. But I mean, in other forums, absolutely. There are people who hide behind anonymous names. And um, often there are people who just, for example, like trolling. So they realize that what they're saying isn't necessarily what they agree with, but they just like to stir things up, which I mean, is definitely very negative and has terrible consequences. So that is definitely an issue when it comes to social media. In psychology, there is a concept of um, secondary trauma, which means that, you know, when you're in a car accident, that's traumatic. But then how people respond to you or how people react to the fact that you were in a car accident can also be traumatic. So if they say, you know, well, it was your fault Mm -hmm. or you're a horrible driver, that can make the accident even worse. And I do wonder if in this situation, we're also seeing some of that secondary trauma, you know, people blaming, people um, egging him on. Um, Any thoughts about that, Andrea? Have you seen any of that? Um, Well, he hasn't been on Facebook since the event because, of course, he's in care now at the hospital. But that is there are a lot of people who are blaming it on him and um, saying, like, how could you do that? Because arson, for example, had could put other people in danger, which is why a lot of the students that are part of the group want to shut his Facebook down because we realize that would probably cause secondary trauma and he really needs to focus on himself and it would be hard to start over and rebuild his life knowing that people are saying that because, I mean, I'm sure that he will feel guilt about it and it's not fair for us to be telling him that he should be feeling guilty about it because no he's sick and he needs to take care of himself and it wasn't his fault what happened sure and daniel you look at secondary trauma um sometimes in terms of how it impacts not just the person who was involved but their friends their peers the community in fact that's part of what the student support network does do you want to talk a little bit about that piece We do see a number of people who come in, and whether it's related to this situation or not, who are either the the primary support person and we're supporting them supporting somebody else or people that are concerned about others. What kind of support do you offer to people who are not directly impacted but still feel affected? How can we help people in that situation? I think the most important thing, especially if you're having a conversation, is just letting people be able to say what they need to say. And sometimes we shouldn't give a response, right? It's about distinguishing between what is meant to be just, you know, I'm feeling this and I just need to say it out loud and allow that sort of process to come out and hear myself saying it. And then I can start the process of of like deciding what that means to me and how I'm going to move forward as opposed to saying something and having it become a discussion or a debate on sort of things. Because sometimes we it's very hard for us to tell how we're going to react to crisis situations like this because a lot of us have not been through them right and sometimes the way we react may be very out of character we may say things that that when we sit down and think about them we don't really mean them but that is just how we reacted right and by giving people the the space to just do that it's like venting giving people the space to vent get it out of the system and then start to think how am I going to integrate this experience into sort of where I move forward? So that's really what we provide is that non-judgmental space where where any individual on Overheard could come in, say exactly what they said on Overheard, and nobody's going to say anything back to them. They're just going to validate that they're feeling that way and that they're affected by the situation and then say, you know, what's next, right? right? Where Where do you want to go from here? You know, and I think that that's something that 
that everybody out there can provide very easily for someone if they say, I need to talk about this, giving them the space to just talk about it. And I, what I love about that is then it's not like there's a permanent record that follows you, that as you were saying, Andrea, it's attached to like your actual name or your Facebook, because that's true. Sometimes in the moment we have a reaction that is not going to be our true or lasting reaction, but just as a momentary, I don't know, I kind of just had an image of a little kid running in the street and their mom grabs them and they sound angry, like get out of the street, right? You're not really angry at them. You're scared that Mm -hmm. they're going to get hit, but your first response can sound like anger. And somebody watching could be like, wow, like you're really callous or, you know, you're, and that may not be what's there deeper. And so in the student support network or in any forum where people can talk about it and talk it all the way through, they can say, my initial reaction is, how could someone do this? Or I feel angry or I feel whatever. And then keep talking to, I feel scared. Or what if that was a friend of mine? Or even I've had thoughts like that myself, maybe not of this specific thing, but I've had thoughts about that myself. And um really a, a place to, to work it all the way out is what you're saying. Yeah, precisely. And I think... I think also with this particular situation, we are we are talking about suicide, which is something that is still incredibly difficult to talk about and that we don't talk about in the community enough. So we don't know the people that are reacting on Overheard may have had experience either within their, their um, like within friends or family or anything. And their reaction may be coming from something that still hasn't been processed from before as well. So just like we don't know what this individual's story is and and the motivation or anything, we also don't know what everybody else that's commenting. And I think that's really what's pointing to the the puzzler for me about social media is that when you're face to face with somebody, you can you can tell things from body language. You can ask questions. You can get deeper. You can you can tell the way that people are even just sitting in the tone of voice that they're using, whether they're scared or angry or things like that. On social media, sometimes we get a few words. And you can try to ask those questions, but then it becomes, you know, and especially when people are coming in and out of the conversation, people are seeing parts of it and not parts of it. And like it just makes it's so much more complicated to process that, right? Sure. I, as a therapist, I, I will sometimes do therapy with people by Skype, but I won't do it by phone because I do need to see body language, mm-hmm. right? I need to see speci- facial expression. And I know that sometimes we try to use emoticons to convey our tone, right? Like, don't take this too seriously or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just joking around. But we do. We lose a lot when we don't have all of the nonverbals to read. Yeah. I think that, um, Daniel, you started to talk about how this leads to the bigger issue of suicide and mental health generally. And this show is really about reducing the stigma around mental illness. And I wonder what each of you think um, or how each of you think this might impact stigma around mental illness on the, the campus. Will it help? Uh, to open up conversations? Will it hurt and cement um, judgments or negative ideas that people have? What are you anticipating or what are you fearing? Um, Well, I do feel, I mean, even now I can see that it's definitely opened up discussion regarding mental health issues. And of course, there are a lot of people who are approaching it negatively, um, basically attaching the stigma to it. But any discussion is good discussion. And I have seen a lot of people who are coming together and trying to reduce the stigma attached to mental health disorders. And I know um, there have there's a group that I'm involved in that uh, have started an initiative to hire a new psychiatrist. Uh, it was led by a guy named Daniel on Overhead at Guelph, who had said that 
um, a bunch of students had contacted him to uh, sort of just start an initiative to help out. And so I got involved with that and we're going to be meeting Sunday. Uh, we don't currently know the time, but uh, we're, we're in discussion about that. And um, yeah, it's to hire a new psychiatrist because we currently only have one on campus. We are trying to start that initiative, and I think it's a good way to uh, bring to light some of the issues with mental health because of the stigma. It's hard for people to get the help that they need, and that that's something that people really need to talk about. Um, I definitely agree that, that any conversation is good. And, and I mean, as somebody who's looking at it from you know, a bit of a distance too, and looking at a, a bigger picture. I mean, it also helps me as somebody who's involved with um, the Student Support Network is directly involved with the One in Five Mental Health Awareness Week that we did um, just recently. I'm looking at sort of what people's responses are, and that's giving me a gauge of where sort of that awareness level might or might not be, right? Um, one thing that I've noticed is like, for every negative comment that's there, there's a positive one. Like our community is 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 really mm-hmm. good at providing that and like some really like good sort of reminding people about support and and you know taking care of themselves and all that kind of stuff. So that tells me that there is actually quite a bit of strength here. And and I mean like any community, there's still lots of learning to go. I think mental health is is really becoming an emerging topic of conversation. It probably should have been a topic of conversation for a long time, mm-hmm. um, but it's great that it's getting some focus. I mean, the Good to Talk line, which was started in the province of Ontario just this year, came out of sort of provincial level conversations around mental health on uh, post-secondary institutions. And I'm, I'm very interested to see what ends up happening at the end of the year in an evaluation cycle to see how many people are accessing it. But I know we've been so excited about it because just as as Andrew was talking about, you know, you need, when you're in a crisis, you need support. Well, I mean, student support networks open until 10 p.m. during a normal cycle, like during the week and 8 p.m. during exams. Our counseling department here closes at 4.45. I mean, the only emergency resources you have on campus are the fire and the police, right? And then you have to access community resources like mm-hmm. the distress center, which are great, but they may not necessarily have the same knowledge that this line does, which is 24 hours professional counselors, right? So it's great. And I mean, most crises are going to happen when people have the least amount of resources. And, you know, I just think about, I even reflect on my own experience being awake at two in the morning before an exam. Like that's where I probably feel the most vulnerable. Right. And there's, you know, very little available. So to have those 24 hour resources and I'm glad that people are talking about it. What I hope people also see is that there are a number of educational opportunities that people can access, right? Like I think of the assist training program and the safe talk program that's offered through CMHA. Like those are things anybody can sign up for. And that's going to give people the skills that they need to be able to support people who may be at risk of suicide. And those are programs that anybody can sign up for and are incredibly helpful in equipping yourself to talk about these these challenges that I think very few of us have any, like they don't teach this in school, right? right? Exactly. They don't, they don't tell us how to talk to somebody about these difficult scenarios. And we, in a lot of ways, we feel uncomfortable talking about them. So what ends up happening, you go online and that we've already established is like the information you're getting is who knows, right? Like how do you evaluate what is mm-hmm. real and what isn't? 
my own personal goal is that eventually we treat mental illness as exactly the same as physical illness, right? That an illness in your brain is no different than an illness in your liver. Um, or that um, if somebody doesn't feel self-conscious about going to the dentist, they also don't feel self-conscious about coming to see a therapist, right? Mm -hmm. And that really we treat it as all the same. And it sounds like that's what both of you are hoping we move towards as well. Yeah, if I can add to that, um, I think part of the reason why it's so incredibly important to break down the stigma attached to mental health issues is because, like you said, it is an illness. It's like, if you have cancer, you're going to go to the doctor and you're going to get treatment for that. So if you have depression, it's the exact same thing. You need to go get the help you need. But because of the stigma attached to it, a lot of people are reluctant. And I've even had friends who I can tell need to talk to somebody and, and have told me, well, there's nothing wrong in my life for me to be feeling this way. So I don't think I have the right to go seek a therapist. But no, you don't need to have something wrong in your life. It's a chemical imbalance in your brain. That's not something you can help, just as if you have a cold. That's not something you can help. So I think it's important to raise awareness for that and say it is an illness. And don't be ashamed to go get help. Because if you're not ashamed to go get prescribed antibiotics, you shouldn't be ashamed to go get therapy. And I, and I think along with that, too, is as friends and supporters and family and, you know, we're talking about our, our colleagues and, and the people that we see every day, really reflecting on how we react when somebody tells us that, too, right? That whole idea of, you know, being supportive in the same way that somebody would say, like, I've got a bruise on my elbow. I, you know, somebody would say, oh, maybe you should go see a doctor about that. You know, if somebody says, like, I have trouble getting up in the morning every morning, maybe maybe that's an appropriate action to say, like, maybe we need to see somebody about that, right? Exactly the same sort of thing. I saw a Facebook comic strip about this just right. last <laughs> night about sort of them comparing reactions to like if you were to use the same reactions people use around mental health with people with physical ailments how odd it yeah. how right. odd that reaction is and it totally is right yeah i find the stigma runs so deep that i've even encountered people who have clinical depression and are on medication but still hold the stigma themselves and say for example um, only a weak person will commit suicide. And I'm just like, how how can you see that if you actually have a clinical case and are on medication, you should realize that that's not the truth. So the stigma runs so deep that even the people with the illnesses themselves still believe the stigma. So I think it's that much more important to try and break that stigma down. I know it's late in the interview to be saying this, but but if people aren't clear, I think when we're talking about stigma, we're talking about something that is similar to a prejudice, right? Mm -hmm. And just like you can't look at someone and say, oh, that's the color of their skin, that says this about their character, right? They're great or they're terrible because of their skin color or their religion. And, and that same idea that your character, whether or not you are weak or strong, whether or mm -hmm. not you are a capable person or not, whether whether or not you are selfish or not is not determined by whether or not you have mental health mm -hmm. issues. You could be mentally quite well and really be a grade A jerk. You could be somebody who has um, a, a mental illness, even have several diagnoses, and be just a delightful human being, right? So we can't look at these things and say, oh, because you struggle with this, it says this about yeah. you. And that's the thing that I think we're really talking about breaking down here. Yeah. I want to remind people, if you're listening to this, we really, really do not know what happened. We don't know what was going on for this guy beforehand. We 
don't know anything about his life. And for people to jump to conclusions without knowing is a kind of prejudice. It is a kind of it, that stigmatizing. And what you said about the self-stigma is that just like with other prejudices, people can internalize those. If you, if as a culture, we make fun of people who are fat, then eventually people who are fat make fun of themselves. They buy into that idea that there's something wrong with me. And similarly, I think that can be the case with mental illness. Someone knows they have depression and knows that needs treatment, but here's all this negative stuff and they start to believe it themselves. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's, it's challenging that on both levels, challenging it in people who don't struggle to um, not perpetuate those kinds of ideas, but also in people who do struggle not to buy into that. Don't believe that about yourself. I, I think it's incredibly important to separate the illness from the person because um, I know, for example, I, I know somebody who had struggled with depression in the past and somebody remarked to them, oh, you're a sad person. And they were like, no, I'm not sad. I'm actually a very happy person. But when my depression is active, then I am sad. But that's the illness. It's not me. I'm actually a very optimistic person. And I think that's a good point of view. You have to separate yourself from the illness. Yeah. And also just that every every mental health challenge, just like every physical illness, is so different for each individual person. I mean, when we do training around mental health with the SSN volunteers, I try to shy away as much as possible from here are the concrete signs and symptoms because it, it looks so different. Like for us, we're more interested in knowing like, how is this affecting you? Like, right. tell us a story and, and tell us how we can support you right now mm -hmm. and how we can just sit with you and let you just express yourself. Because, I mean, as our campus gets gets busier and, you know, my students tell me all the time how difficult it is to just find a space to plug in your computer and study. Imagine how limited the space is to cry on our campus or to, you know, and even just having an emotion is sometimes attached to weakness or strength. So, I mean... We honestly, we do see people who come into SSN just to cry mm -hmm. and that's it. They don't even say anything. They just need a Kleenex, right? Mm -hmm. And that tells me something about how little space there is for that and how incredible of a gift it is when somebody gives you that space to feel those things, right? You two have been so amazing to talk to, and maybe that's just because you're singing my song. Um, and so um, I love to hear that, that um, it's not just my little voice out there, but other people who, who see it the same way. But really, you both have been so articulate about that, and I feel like there's lots more I would like to ask you. So I may ask you to come back again, because I think this probably will open up a conversation on campus. Um, and I know, Andrea, you said your group is meeting on Sunday. Yep. Um, would you like more people to come? to that um, or do you have the group yeah sign of no absolutely what? like it's open to whoever wants to join because the time or the place hasn't been decided yet i will provide you guys with my email i'm not the one organizing it it's actually dan who i had spoken about before but i don't have his email so i'll provide you with mine and you can email me um so my email is p-a-t-e-h-v-i-a at uoguelph.ca and I also just wanted to let you guys know that we are currently uh, speaking to the director of Health and Wellness Center to see how we can bring the most value to students. They have expressed a significant interest in supporting this initiative as they understand the importance of this issue. So we are hoping to be backed by a lot of the services on campus because we do think it's incredibly important to um, have as much help as we can, especially professional help, because, I mean, we have a lot of therapists in health services, but they aren't at liberty to diagnose you with anything and they can't prescribe you with anything. It's only the psychiatrist who can do that. And to be diagnosed is 
one step closer to getting the the help that you need. So with only one psychiatrist, I mean, we definitely need as much help as we can. So I think another psychiatrist on top of that would be very beneficial. I wish you a lot of luck with that. And actually, we'll have uh, Dan or yourself or some combination of you back after your meeting on Sunday to hear how that went and give you another space to talk about that. I would love that. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, Daniel, your, your group really provides more space for, for whoever is struggling and whoever is feeling impacted about this or anything else as we're going through exams. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk about it. If people want to access the Student Support Network, how do they do that? Um, the best way to access us is uh, in person. So we have a drop-in space just inside the front door of Wraithby House, which is that cute little house that we reclaimed from the squirrels uh, in the middle <laughs> of campus. Uh, it's the first door just to your right. If the door is closed, it means we're with somebody. Um, we're open 12 p.m. till 8 p.m. all through the exam session, so all the way up until the end of next week. Um, and what you can expect when you come is, is two really lovely student volunteers um, who are very well trained in uh, active listening. They're not professional counselors. They're really just there to give you a space to process, um, just to talk to a peer. And uh, uh, like you'd mentioned, I mean, we're available to talk about the situation that happened on the weekend, but we are really available for anything. Um, so we really encourage people to reach out if they need that support, whether it's through us, through the Distress Center, through Good to Talk, anywhere. Um, talking about it is such a, such a great thing to be able to help that healing process. So that's my interview for this week. I'd like to thank Daniel, whom you can reach through the Student Support Network here at the University of Guelph, and Andrea, whom you can reach at chair, C-H-A-I-R, at CFRU.ca, especially if you're interested in joining the group that would like to explore the possibility of another psychiatrist on campus. I would love to hear your thoughts or comments about the show and suggestions for topics you'd like me to cover on upcoming shows. Please send those to my email at openminds, with an S, at cfru.ca. A disclaimer, though, that I will not respond to most emails and definitely won't respond to those asking for help or advice with a specific mental health problem. For those, I strongly recommend that you put aside your fear of stigma and see your doctor, visit the local emergency room, or call your nearest crisis hotline. Thanks so much for listening, and please join me again next week here on Open Minds.